Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to another version of Bill Roden on Sports. I'm here in a um, semi-undisclosed location in Midtown Manhattan on Columbus Avenue. Looks familiar. Yeah, I know. I'll show you yeah, <laughs> real quick. <laughs> uh, here with my uh, friend and co-host, the great Jamal Murphy. Murph, what's up? What's up, Bill? I'm chilling in Brooklyn, you know, holding it down. Still. And, yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, we've got a great guest, uh, thanks to Jamal. Uh, you know what they call friend of the show, as they say. You <laughs> right. <know? laughs> uh, I love it. Uh, great uh, NBA ref, great guy. Uh, I think now the 15-year veteran now? 17. 17-year veteran, my God. 17-year <laughs> veteran, uh, the great Zach Zarba, joining us live from the bubble. I mean, this is – Zach, first of all, Zach, how are you doing? Yes. I'm – I'm great, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, friend of the show. I like that. That's a good ring to it. I learned that yeah. from all these radio guys. They said friend of the show, which means friends of the show. <laughs> so, so, Zach, man, there's so much that um, I want to ask you, but just generally, how are you doing? How, how are you? Uh, just how are you doing? I know that you know, somebody told you 17 years ago all the twists and turns your career would have taken. I'm not sure if you would have could have imagined and dreamed up this experience. So, man, what's it like? Right. Yeah. No, you're right. Never, never in a million years would you think about something like this happening. Uh, you know, uh, you just would never even think something like COVID would would right. happen. And so, uh, it has it has been wild and strange. Uh, but being out here, you know, we were talking earlier and being out here. Uh, in the bubble, you know, everyone wants to know what's the bubble like, but you know, what is it like? What is it like? And it's, you know, it is, it's great. It, it, it's the, the, you know, besides the obvious tough part of being gone from your, your family and your loved ones for so long, which is, that's the rough part. What they've done here in at Walt Disney world in Orlando is nothing short of amazing. I'm, I mean, really? I'm telling you, yeah, you, they, you know, the, the number of people that they have working here 24 seven and, for the teams, the players, the coaches, all, you know, for, for all of us, all the support staff that put this together. Um, I, I think it was, they, someone was saying was literally put this together in, in three months or so to, for what they have here on this campus is, is unbelievable. It, it probably is one of the safest places on earth <laughs> or at least what, in the United States right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, so what's it like then? I mean, yeah, we won't get, you know, um, yeah. cause I do want to ask you down the road, you know, the, the, uh, uh, the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are announcing today that they're done. <laughs> There's yeah. not going to be any fall sports or anything like that. I do want to ask you about that, but I want to have you. You were saying that this is incredible. What's incredible? I mean, what's it like day to day? From you know, what's it like? Right. So it, you know, you it's literally like having a checklist every day that you have to get used to. I think we're about a month in now. I got here on July 12th, and then we quarantined, and so you have a checklist of things that you have to do health and safety wise every day. So for example, I wake up first thing I have to do when I wake up is I, is you have to take your temperature with this, the Kinza smart thermometer. Uh, and it goes into an app on your phone along with this, uh, I believe it's a pulse oximeter, which 
tests your oxygen saturation. So the first thing you're doing every morning is, is those numbers are going into a My Health app that the NBA has created. Um, and it's going into some database and it's like, it's digitally connected to this, you know, to your individual magic band here, which, you know, to, in like, order to walk like the ankle bracelet. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. We just, we just put it on the wrist just to make it seem, <laughs> when you're still but in this, the house arrest. <laughs> this is, this is, this is what gets you, you know, gets you in and out of access to the arenas. When you, if you don't show up green, you know, you're going to have to talk to a doctor because mm-hmm. that means that you, there's something has been red flagged and that you're maybe at risk or, or just something that they need to sort out. And that's, that's not even mentioning just getting tested every day. You know, wow. I've been tested now, I've been tested now 30 something straight days. Um, now, which, which kind of test do you get? We're getting, we're getting, uh, the swab, the mouth swabs and the nasal oh. swabs. Oh my God. You got to get the nasal swabs every day. It, it's not it's not as invasive, uh, I, I think, as some can be, uh, and you know it, it takes it takes five minutes. But you know these they have the the health and safety people working, you know, working, you know, eighteen hour days here just protesting all the fifteen hundred or so people staff members that are here, um, and so you know along with you know, we even have something like we have this proximity detector that's attached to my credential. So if I get too close to someone, if I get within six feet, this is going to beep. Mm. Wow. You know, and just to, just to let you know, Hey, you know, you might want to back up and in social distance. And, <laughs> um, yeah. The, the, you really feel good. You know, I don't want to, it's obvious Adam silver and everybody running the show. You, you have all the faith in the world in them because they've spared no detail, but the, you know, I think we real. I think we have something successful going, but they don't let up, and so there's mm. you know there's memos coming out, there's stuff coming out every day. If people start to slip up and start stop wearing their masks, or they see people too close and getting you know you start to get comfortable because right. we've had a few weeks now of zero tests, nobody coming in a positive, and, and but on on the health and safety, and they don't stop. They they are you know the security people and the health and safety people are all over everybody on this campus to make sure that they're being responsible. And there's, there's stuff for you to do on the campus because yeah. you, you hear a lot, you know, you right. hear things here and there about, Oh, you know, people, you know, sick and tired of being, you know, being in their room or obviously being without their family, but, but yeah. there, but there are things for you to do. Like you can keep yourself busy. Yes. No, they, so I'll give you an example. Our ref room, they have, so we have 45 officials, uh, down here out of our 70. So 45 of the referees came down. They didn't take all 70 for health and safety reasons. They needed to condense. They took 45 of us and we've got a 29,000 square foot ref room where we have our meetings where Monty McCutcheon, our boss, you know, gives, gives us his meetings and talks to us weekly. But in that room, there's, you know, ping pong pool. Um, there's TVs, there's, um, you know, basketball hoop if guys want to shoot. Uh, you know, guys are playing pickleball out here. The, you know, some of the guys who are older are playing pickleball out here. And <laughs> I don't know what that is. Right. We don't, yeah, in Brooklyn, <laughs> you never really knew what pickleball was in <laughs> Brooklyn. They've got, they've got golf for us once a week or so. So they've, um, which, which is, is not as easy as it sounds because they have to privatize the whole course and they have to make sure you, they just can't, you just can't golf on an open course with people, you know, with people who aren't 
working with the NBA who aren't under the same testing and safety protocols as you next to you. So they have to privatize it. So the undertaking is huge, but they've, they've uh, obviously you see some of the stuff the players have, they've, they've done great with us in terms of that mental health side of, of, of when you're in a bubble, when you're, you're away from your family and you have to perform your job, they, they do have things for you to kind of uh, stay sane, so to speak. Like, well, a couple of things you said. So there are other people out there golfing? I mean, not, not with, not who aren't a part of the NBA and, and who aren't part of, uh, not, not that day or not those five to six hours. They, you know, the NBA privatizes or buys out that course for that, that period of time. So you're not coming anywhere. You're not coming close to or anywhere near someone who is not under our, or in our bubble. But I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. So in other words, there are some people who are vacationing or whatever, who have access to the course at some point. At some point, yeah. So maybe, you know, if we're going, if we're there from, you know, seven in the morning until noon or something like that, our times, then maybe then they buy out, the the NBA will then buy out the next few hours to have this place. You have to see the, the sanitizing and the teams that right. come here and sanitize everything, you know, after you, everything after you use it after you use anything is, is unbelievable. So they'll, have, they'll have sanitize the golf course before and after they'll sanitize the testing rooms before and after the arenas, our locker rooms, uh, you know, they have to sanitize every single thing be- between games and everything. The undertaking is, is wow. short of amazing. Yeah. Basically you had a, a, an off season from, from March to July. And I assume for, for the refs, it's gotta be somewhat similar to the players. Like you had to be ready. You kind of knew, that you were, you were, you know, that they were going to try to make it happen, that you were going to come back. So you had to stay ready. What did you, for you, what did you have mm-hmm. to do to stay ready? I guess you had to stay in shape and all that. Yeah. I don't know about you though, but that, that, that you know, those first four months or first three months of uh, sheltering in place, it was, for me, it was homeschool. <laughs> you know, right, we had to, right. we had to, <laughs> so right. we have, you know, we have two boys. Uh, and ours and mine are a little older than yours, Jamal, mm-hmm. uh, both of them six and eight now. So we had the homeschool. Right. So my wife and I, yeah, we, I went right into the homeschooling and we kind of split it up. Uh, we were lucky enough to be able to do that where she was home and I was home. I mean, on a, as a side note, that, that just showed, you know, that really, we, our minds were blown thinking about, you know, a single family home or, or a parent that had to be at work trying, trying to do this with the kids or, or right. someone who didn't have an iPad or, or a home computer or even a printer how to keep up that, that part blew our mind and it, you know, opened our minds really. That was, so that was the first three months doing that. And then at the same time, I, I, we did have to stay ready. So, um, I would kind of do the morning shift of the homeschooling and then Chris, my wife, she'd do the afternoon and the afternoons I would tend to my work stuff. So I would, you know, I had a Peloton, so I needed to stay in shape. Um, they sent us, we were doing video breakdowns, videotape, uh, three times a week of old Mm -hmm. games to kind of, you know, keep that frame of mind and keep that, you know, nothing's, nothing's the same as being on the court with the guys and the speed and the strength and everything. But we were watching tape and doing video breakdowns three times a week, uh, zoom calls, all that stuff. So that we were staying ready. It was just, it was literally, it was longer than an off season. Usually an off season is a, right. is a few months. This was four months, four and a half months. Um, and then you come back here and you have the 16, you have the 22, best teams in the NBA here. You're not even, you don't even have the 30 and they're ready to go. And they're just, <laughs> so it was just, you know, it right out of the gate, you know, with eight games left to go. And so. So you go through this whole thing of training, 
you've got your in your mind what it's going to be like how different is it right so that, that that's that's been strange that's been uh going through the walkthroughs of the arena some of the things that they've done you know uh with these arenas uh with the you know with the crowd noise and then piping in the virtual fans and the way they've done this is kind of all built for TV uh, and kind of all made for everybody at home who right. is, you know, who most people have to, you know, we're sheltering in place. We're not, everyone's not moving around as freely as they usually would. And so the NBA has kind of built this, this, their game, you know, because there are no fans here for the home viewer. Uh, and so when you're out there though, that, you know, you do have, you do feel like in a way you're on in a reality TV show, you're on stage. Because, you know, there's just dark everywhere and the lights are on you and there's no fans. So that part is strange. Uh, you can hear <laughs> one of the funniest things for the referee is that you can now can hear so many more things that the crowd <laughs> might normally drown out in a, in a rate. 20,000 fans, 20,000 fans in a playoff game in an arena that is rocking. Um, <laughs> you know, even if they're yelling at you half the time, 20,000 people drowns out and just, you know, you now can hear one of the stranger things for us as officials that when we talk about it is you can hear the benches a lot more. You can hear the, you know, the guys on the sidelines and, you know, we have to learn not to be so sensitive with that because a lot of it, a lot of it is passion and just trying to, you know, wanting to win and, 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 you know, good natured most of the time, but we've had to, you know, adjust to that because you hear, you know, you hear everything and you're like, wait, you know, do I need to address this? Does, you know, is, is this, is this going to be embarrassing or, right. you know, so that's kind of one of the things we, we're, we're, we're trying not to be too sensitive about. The stuff that you ordinarily would hear from the fans, you hear from the bench now? No, you know, <laughs> it's different. The guys, the guys are different than the fans. The guys, the guys, the guys talk to each other. The guys right. talk to other, the other team. They're talking to you. They're reacting to you. You know, like they're joking sometimes. You know, you're judging all of it. You know, in real time, and so that's taken some getting. That's taken some getting used to. But this, some of the stuff you normally would not hear with twenty thousand fans screaming in an arena. You know, you would not. And so, is it like summer league? It's like you know, it's it's like a rec league game except that we all that i grew up refereeing and you know in order to to gain the experience necessary to get to the nba it's like refereeing a rec league game stuff you have just the best players in the world is <laughs> just you just this you know that that part about it is that's a little bit different so what about all the sound that they pipe in like you said for the tv audience do you hear any of that yeah you hear so you make a call so they'll have a home and away team you make a call against the home team and there might be you might hear boos coming out of the crowd as they have that they cheer when the home team scores a basket you know there's a big replay thing across on the other side of the the court uh so they have the the announcer announces differently when the home team scores a basket than when the road team so yeah this the the attention to detail um is unbelievable unbelievable we have we have breaking news uh the vice president vice vice president will be uh, Kamala Harris. Okay. Is that right? Okay. Yep. Wow. This excellent. Came, okay. This, this came across the wire. So, uh, okay. Okay. It's, it's excellent. On. <laughs> it's on. <laughs> not bad. I'm not mad at that. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. I'm not mad at that either. Yeah. I mean, you know, she, uh, 
she goes both ways. She she locked up a lot of people, so I mean, she get to you. Know, right. she said, Wait a minute, I'm law and order too. That's right. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, we, anyway, we just wanted to break in with that news flash. But Zach, two things I wanted to follow up on: what kinds of stuff you don't have to give names, but what kind of stuff are you hearing from the bench mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. normally didn't hear? You'll you'll know. You'll just hear stuff like, "Oh, come on, Zach." I got dance. That's you know. You'll and, and, how'd you miss that, Zach? Right, or you hear something like that, and, and it's and that doesn't even rise to the standard of needing to do anything with it. But what the difference is is that you it's so loud now, and you hear it because there's no fans, and you're going, wait, wait, is this? Wait a second, this might be too much, you know. And it's and it's not, you know, and it's not. And and I, I will say this. The, the the 22 teams, the guys, the teams that came here, I don't, you know, they've brought it. They're not mailing it in. They, mm. They're playing hard. I think we think the level has been high. They have not just, in my opinion, have not just come here to come here and get it over with. They're, they're getting after it. Um, and, and maybe some of that is because this is, you know, a once in a lifetime kind of thing or twice in a lifetime kind of deal where, you know, they know they're going to be re- stories are going to be written about this in years to come so they they brought it they brought it so for for you as a referee as, as far as the, you know as far as your job what's been the difference when you're when you're on the court no fans how does it affect how you call mm-hmm. a game if if at all no it doesn't affect how you call it. you miss the fans mm-hmm. you know you you miss you know you start to the longer you're in you start to know some of the fans around the different arenas who kind of sit around around close to the court so you, you miss the and you miss the juice the energy that they bring they they you realize how much energy they bring when when you walk into a packed arena in a playoff game or something like that you don't have that here you do not um you have the intensity for sure but you don't have um a major part which is the fans and i think everybody misses you know misses the fans um that's kind of the, that it does the game. It doesn't change how you call a game. Um, it doesn't, you're not hearing more, you know, some people will say, Oh, well, you know, maybe you guys, you're calling more fouls maybe because you can hear a smack here. And that's not how we're trained to, we're not trained to, um, he, you know, hear something. If you don't see it, you, you're not going to call it. You're not supposed to, I'm not saying you never uh, have, you know, I've never heard something and, and called a foul because I've heard a smack, but, you're not trained to do that, you know, so that doesn't, that, that might happen 1% of the time. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't change how we call, how we call a game. We call a game the same way. But what about, since it's a, it's, it's basically like a neutral court setting. So yep. Home or away team, you know, mm-hmm. about to get the calls at home. Mm-hmm. Does mm-hmm. it change it in, in that way at all? Not in, not, not in my mind. Now, I don't know what's, I don't know, right. you know, my subconscious, you know, they've done studies uh, yeah, stuff touch, like touch, that. Touchy territory, though. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't, I couldn't, <laughs> t- I couldn't tell you, you know, if you're asking me personally, that it, it does not change. But I would, I would say that, I would say that when I'm going to a home arena with 20,000 fans. But I, right, you know, right. So I don't, I, but then again, you know, I'm, maybe I'm being, you know, subjective to it. Who knows? So, but it doesn't, you know, the guys in here will say it doesn't change the way they call game. But I guess you don't miss the booze, though. I mean, you, you know, I mean, I, I mean, and again, you've been doing this for 17 years, so I don't know if you ever get anesthetized to that where it's like a musician's armature. Or, or I don't yeah. know if you never get truly used to it, but you're absent of that. If you, if you make a bad call, 
or whatever. You know, yeah. like, oh, come on, ref, get the hell, you know, right? <laughs> See, the thing is, though, the good the good refs know when they've missed the call, right? So the good refs, in my opinion, know when they've messed up. And so when I mess up and it's, you know, when I mess up and it's for the home team and the, and the home crowd is cheering, if I'd known I mess up, I still have a, that sick feeling, you know? So it, it, it plays both ways, you know? So, so the booze and all, sometimes the boo, you get, you can have 20,000 fans booing you or ref you, you know, the, the ref you suck, ref you suck. But when you know that the call is right, it, that, the, then it, that, that's almost a badge of honor then, you know? So it, right. it, that doesn't, that doesn't change. But did you miss that? The ref you saw? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Wow. Yes. Yes. Wow. They bring, they bring, they, they bring an energy to the game that I, I think to a person in here, people would tell you that, that that component is a huge thing that's missing. This whole thing of fanless, this whole notion of fanless arenas, what does that mean? I've been thinking about it even more because there's part of me that's thinking, as much as fans have been a part of the game, there's a part of me that fans have kind of gotten a little too emboldened, too entitled. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. price of the mm-hmm. ticket means you'd go and be up now. You know, you know, you've seen it, Zach. People yeah. who are normal, regular, yeah. ordinary people turn into these like morons, people you wouldn't even recognize inside sure. the arena. And I'm yeah. wondering, I don't know how long this is going to last, but I'm wondering if this kind of gives people little chance of soul searching because just like you miss them, right? You know, do fans miss you? And is that going to bring any kind of enlightenment? Yeah, no, that's a great point. That, that that's a great point. We've we've had some situations in the NBA that the league has had to handle. Uh, I think, yeah, I think most sports most sports have, it. and I, I I think there there can be some entitlement with that that expensive ticket to think that they can say or do whatever they want. And, and, and I, and I think that's, it's obviously that's the minority. That's the right. 0.1%. And, and, but even that in and of itself, you know, players, coaches, officials, anyone on that floor, they're, they're people just like anybody else. And there are boundaries um, that they cannot cross. Um, so in the in, in, when talking about the NBA, you know, we have that, we have a security briefing before every game in the locker room and they, and, you know, they have warning cards and ejection cards. And if we hear, you know, if we hear something untoward or that goes, that passes that standard, then, you know, we can issue an ejection. And, and, and the league security, you know, they're, they have been on top of that in the last few years, uh, extremely after a few incidents we've had. So hopefully, you know, hopefully you're right, but hopefully they can kind of, you know, you, you do kind of realize what you're missing. Probably not, though. <laughs> <You know. laughs> just but just making that first playoff game, the next That's right. the next That's playoff right. game. What about with players? Uh, player interaction after calls. You seeing any yeah. difference there? You know, when the, when there's a crowd full of people. You know, even even yeah. when when we played, if you miss a shot, you know, you're more apt, apt to pretend you were fouled. You know, when there are more people right. watching. Any change right. in the interaction? <laughs> no, right. you know. No, right. You always start looking at your hand. You start wiping. Oh, no, yeah, my hand is. Um, no, <laughs> no. They they're just they're they're intense. So they're bringing it, and this is a new experience, and all eyes are on us in here. Right, and everybody's watching, and everybody knows it, and so there's it's that kind of stage, and so there's an intensity to that. So. 
you know, to me, it would just be all of these games, most of these seeding games, these eight seeding games we've had have been akin to playoff games in my mind. And, and so, you know, they're, they're not playoff games technically, but they've had the intensity, um, the player intensity of a playoff game. So do you even, do you think it could ratchet up even further? So when the playoffs start, you, you, you expect more? Oh, we're just getting started. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we're just getting started. Yep. It, it, I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to yeah. be, this is the, you know, the fun and games will be over in, in, you know, six days, I think playoffs start maybe in six, five to six days. Um, yeah. So I think you'll, uh, and the NBA has a great, there's some great new format things where they've got these play in games really, which are playoff games technically starting on Saturday and Sunday, you know, which will be in the Western conference, the eight and nine seat. So that's something we've never seen before. And, you know, the league is innovative when it comes to that stuff and, and what better year to try it, you know, right. than, than this year when teams really didn't have an 82 game season to get to that eighth spot. And so, you know, they've instituted that eight, nine play in game. And so that, that'll be a, a, a little twist that could be interesting. What do you think about the thing that's going to stick in, in any of the innovations, uh, mm-hmm. any of the new things? Mm-hmm. Cause there's a lot to mm-hmm. like, yeah. Uh, about this, um, even you know, because this is a lot like uh, an NCAA tournament type of thing. But what what are some of the things about this you would like to maybe see stay? Yeah, I, I think uh, I think I, I if I would watch the play-in game and see how that plays and see if you like that and see what the reaction is, um, you know, across the country to that kind of eight-nine playing game. I'd watch that. I also think from the referee side. Um, everyone's been talking about the, the crew chief being mic'd and being able to explain their review to the table. And then it goes to live television. So if you've watched any of the games, you can see that when there's a, a coach's challenge now or a review, the crew chief will come over, he's reviewing the play. And then he has to push the talk button and his microphone, then he goes live, you know, he goes right. live in front of the country, similar to an NFL white hat a little bit. Right. Except he's not doing it to arena. So uh, we've gotten a lot of positive uh, feedback about that, you know, hearing the actual official's explanation to yeah. the decision. Um, so, so that may, you know, we, we'll see. Well, I saw, I saw, uh, I think last night's broadcast, one of the broadcasters was uh, poking fun <laughs> at you saying, saying that you were trying to take his job because right. you were explaining it and looking right, in, right into the camera. Are you not supposed to look at, into the camera? So that was that right. That was Jared Greenberg, uh, right. a friend of mine and, and uh, sideline reporter, TNT. And right. So this is the thing. These are the little twists that come out of it is that some referees. So you, you're looking through. Imagine this big plexiglass because the scores table is not like your normal scores scores table. There's like a nine to 10 foot high plexiglass encasement to protect people, to protect us, to protect them. And so. You know, I have a microphone. I can talk to them through the plexiglass. They have a microphone that pokes out and I can, they can talk to me, you know, to communicate. But then when the review comes, I have to press and I have to talk. And then there's a camera. <laughs> and so what I was doing was finding the camera. I'm looking, right. so You're I'm a pro. looking straight You're at the, <laughs> I'm looking straight at the camera and I, I the guy, you know, co-work, you know, my, my fellow staff members, the other refs killing me like just you know i think reggie miller said i was going zoolander but i'm just <laughs> looking into the game <laughs> and so this is like some of those self critiques that you have like it's not for us it's not just the calls not just the block charge the out of bounds you're always looking at how you 
are looking looked on the court, how you're perceived, what are your mannerisms? Are you do your mannerisms um, incite people? Are you a de-escalator? You know all these nonverbal communication things that are going to help you in your career. This this is one of those things where you're like, all right, how does this look? And I, I think so. Last night I made the change where I'm no longer <laughs> looking into your soul. Right, right. <laughs> I'm I am now talking to the PA announcer, right? <laughs> which is what I would normally do which is what I should be telling him what the decision is. He is then going to announce it to the fans. And at the same time, TV can hear and see what I'm and saying. So, and you're pretending, you know, the cam- you're pretending the camera's not there now. But you know, it's, it's so Correct. funny. Correct. You said something a while back. And, and I just think that when you talked about going into the arena, because I think guys haven't really got hip to this. This is a whole level of theater and showmanship. They thought it was back pre-COVID, you know, but now I think that, like you mentioned, this is actually reality TV. It's in a studio. You're in the studio now. And although there are no, you know, I remember, you know, well, you've done TV shows and all that kind of stuff, and there's nobody in the studio except you, but there are millions of people watching. (laughs) You know, you stare down the barrel of that camera, and, you know, you're talking to millions of people, and I think Guys have not quite got it yet. Because, man, you are on stage. You literally no, are on stage. Yeah. Now. Right. And I think it the is. people who get it, who are like mm-hmm. more like like we're teasing you about looking at the camera, but <laughs> that's the reality. You you kind of are on stage. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, there's no question about it. It, it is reality TV. Um, I think sports is, is, is um, it's like, Sports is almost the last kind of appointment television where you can't really DVR the NBA finals, right? right. I mean, the NBA finals start at nine o'clock. You know, if you're 15 minutes late and you have a DVR and you can catch up, but you can't talk to anybody because everybody's talking about it. And so you can't watch the NBA finals the next day, right? right? If you miss it, everybody's talking about it. You can't get away from it. And so you know what happened. And so that's the kind of the beauty of it, that reality in the moment kind of thing. So, yeah, I understand. As far as uh, safety, Mm -hmm. going back to what you said earlier, all the precautions being taken, you obviously feel, you know, very comfortable, you know, one of the safest places on earth. So, so I guess you do feel confident that this experiment will work through, you know, we will have a champion. Yeah. Yeah, I I do. Being here, I, I, you know, when you think about it, you know, as you're preparing to, to, to travel here and go through it, you know, in the weeks, in the weeks before you're saying, boy, I don't know. I hope this can work. You know, we, we all hope it can work. We all want to do our part um, to make it work. Um, but, you know, there's a level of unknown where you're not sure, you know, and I think being here for this month now, um, I think most people in here can see that it is working and that it was planned and thought out extremely well. Um, just by all the, just by all the attention to detail and the people and the people who are working 24 seven. So I am super optimistic, but also, uh, I think we're also, we want to do our part and make sure that, that we're responsible because if you're not responsible, um, and you, and you're not wearing your mask and you're not social distancing and you're not doing these things, you, you know, we, we, we know how quick it can tumble and crash down. So along those lines, are there any lessons when you look at what's going on in other sports or the rest of the country, yeah. any lessons you think can be learned from what the NBA is doing that, that other parts of society can, can learn from? 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to talk about the other sports because they have some some complexities. Baseball and football have complexities that the NBA doesn't have with their traveling parties and the number of players on a team. So they have thing other other situations. They have things they have to work out. You know, as far as the NBA's bubble, though, I, I think the, the NBA's bubble has been proven over this first month to have worked so far. And so I think other leagues are taking note of that. Uh, it's difficult to, to, you know, it's difficult in this day and age to have teams in market, you know, and players going home and, and going to rest, going to restaurants and, and, you know, without containing people in one, um, in one safe, secure area. Well, the NBA was kind of fortunate enough. 80% of our season was complete by on March 12th. And so we just had the last 20 in the playoffs. Um, but we were also, we were also, we also had to plan this or not, we, you know, Adam and everybody had to plan this in the moment, which, you know, during that hiatus. So that was difficult too. the bubble. I, I, I think the bubble is a lesson um, on safety and, and, you know, for other sports and for the country uh, and yeah. responsibility, responsibility, really. Yeah. I, I think, I think Zach, you, know, you look at hockey, you're doing it in a bubble. And mm-hmm. it's, it's working. I mean, honestly, I think that's really the only way to do it. And that bubble, that what comes to it, what you guys are doing, it's, it's a great sacrifice. I mean, you have to be prepared to make an unbelievable sacrifice. But I think, you know, I, I went to a basement one day just to see as a journalist, to see mm-hmm. what it was like. I mean, I, I wasn't going to go down to it. But, <laughs> I, you know, that's another story. I mean, <laughs> When I was forty, when I was forty-two, I go to Orlando. You know, when I was forty years old. I go to Orlando and be right. there for five months. But now, I said, you know what? Right. right. I'll be a free state. But but my, the point though is that what you guys are doing is a, a tremendous sacrifice to make it work. Yeah. Uh, let me yeah. ask you this: Just got another thing came over the wire about the big the Pac-12. They're canceling all fall sports too. What do you think? I mean, you you have younger boys. But mm-hmm. if you could just kind of project, if your kids are, you know, they may be, you know, nineteen, twenty. As a parent, what do you yeah. what do you think? I I think you I think you can never go wrong with with health and safety and and, and erring on the side of health and safety. Um, as a parent, uh, you know, that's what we want to do. You err on the side of health and safety until you, you know. I think we don't know. There's so much about this disease that we don't know. And still, I think the rush, the rush to to open up, the rush to do this, the rush to do that, without really knowing everything, is dangerous. Before we let you go, hey, we're gonna keep it for another hour. Where are you going, Jack? <laughs> he, he probably has a game. <laughs> but uh, part of this whole NBA restart obviously has had to do with uh, you know social justice, racial justice protests or demonstrations you were part of that the first you ref the first game in the bubble i think mm-hmm. um and where everybody took a knee including referees you know everybody on the court took a knee and i was just wondering you know what went into that decision as far as the referees are concerned as far mm-hmm. as you personally and you know what does the whole movement you know mean to you yeah i'm glad you i'm glad you asked that because i i wanted to, to, to briefly talk about that i think there's a lot of fun stuff in the bubble. There's, there's, it's, there's a lot of things, but I don't want it to get misconstrued that there is a serious tone in here. There is like a, there's a seriousness to kind of an acknowledgement about what's going on in the country from inside here that we understand that this is, 
the NBA bubble. And this does not really represent what's going on in the country and the seriousness of everything that's going on. And so there is a real vibe and a real tone in here that understands um, the seriousness of the, uh, you know, what's going on out in the world. And so that first night and every night since then, um, you know, proud, I think is, is how I would describe um, being able to kind of be a part of that. And it, it emanates from our players. It emanates, you know, you know, from their, from the way that they speak out and, and, and really, our younger generation, I think, through this whole movement right now has, has shown stamina and energy that is impressive, you know, for, for older people like us to, to see, you know, to see what they've been able to do and the force that they have and their voices. I, I think it's great. I think um, from the referees, I think, you know, we feel the same way. I mean, and, and with referees, we we might span four different generations on our staff. So we have referees who are 60 years old who have seen some things in their life. You know, and, and when we met and discussed these kind of things, guys spoke, you know, guys spoke their truth. And uh, it, it, it was it was eye opening. The more you listen to people, the more I listen to people and learn. You, you, you realize how much you don't know or how much I don't know. And so proud is the word. And also we, you know, the referees, we, we're going to support all of our referees. You know, we're going to support their truth, whatever they feel in their heart they want to do on the anthem and whether that's kneeling or standing. Um, I chose to kneel, I choose to kneel and that's my decision, but proud is the word. And, um, there's a real feeling of, of, of using this platform here, whether you're a player or a coach or an official to, to express yourself in that way. Cause I think that's where we are today in the world where you have to, if you don't, you know, if you can't speak out or you feel like you're not going to speak out, I, you know, you almost, you are almost giving consent to some of the inequities and um, social injustices that occur. So. Yeah. Now, let me ask you this for, and before we let you go, but about, about, the, about the anthem, I wrote a column yep. that I've felt like this for a long time uh, of just getting rid of the national anthem because it's become such a flashpoint, you know, it's mm -hmm. supposed to be a thing. We're all in this together, all in one flag, but like everything else in the past few years, every single thing has become divisive. Um, mm -hmm. Even, you know, should you, should this conference play? You've got the president saying, canceling football would be stupid. And, play, you know, everything. So I'm wondering right. how, how you would feel if there just wasn't a national anthem. You come out, you warm up, you play maybe the Funkadelics, right. one, one nation <laughs> under a groove, you know, and then you play ball. Right. Right. I don't know. I haven't thought about that. I, you know, I haven't thought much about what it would be like to eliminate the anthem or not. I, I do feel like, you know, as a society, if we can have empathy and, and I think to me, that's the key. If you can, if me and you disagree, Bill, or me and you disagree, Jamal, it, as, if we can disagree, but at least I can understand your point, even if I don't agree with it. I think that to me, that's the key, the empathy to understand where someone's coming from, even if you don't agree with them, is, is what we're lacking right now, you know, um, from the top on down. And that's the divisiveness and, and that's some of the stuff. But I've never thought about the anthem. Um, you know, I, I, it is, to your point, it is right now a, a divisive, it is a, a flashpoint in our country. Um, so, 
I haven't thought about you know much other than that. Yeah, I guess with the great Zach Zaba, friend of the program, one of the great guys <laughs> in the industry, and not just because he's been on our show a few times, but because Zach, you really <laughs> are just a really, truly, uh, just a really, really nice guy, solid guy. You're, you know, you're fair, and uh, I was like, what, what, what an official's supposed to be about, you know, sort of. So keep it track. Keep looking in that camera, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> don't let him talk you out of that. Do not let him talk you out of that. Joe, this is so business, brother. You know. <laughs> Seriously. Don't. All right. I, I, I'll think about it. I will. You'll see it next time. You'll see, you know, I'll see what I do next time. Do like this. Know. Next time. Get away. Get the yeah. fingers. Give me, you. give me some sign language or something. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to send you a bros pod. We're going to send you a bros pod button to put like on the <laughs> We'll pay you for it. <laughs> I love you guys, man. Keep up the good work. It's, it's great to it's great to great to be with you. You too. Stay Thanks stay a lot. Safe, man. Thanks a lot, Zach. Yeah, um, sorry about this, man. I don't know. I'm in the ABC office. I don't know. They gotta they gotta step their uh, internet game up. Yeah, I, mean, I thought shoot, I thought I'd be doing a I should go back to the church. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about college football. Like you said, the Big Ten, Pac-12, cancel all four sports, including football. We we had heard yesterday that that was the rumor that they were going to do that today. And now we're waiting for the swing. Well, you know what the SEC is going to do. They're going to have them put people out there. It'd be shit, it could be the bubonic play. Right. And they'll have these guys playing. But the, but, but the Big 12, we don't know what the Big 12 is going to do. Well, what do you think, man? I mean, again as a sports person, but as a parent and all that, I mean, what, what do you, what do you think about these cancellations of seasons? Cause they've already, you know, they've done it at division two and three, right. <laughs> you right. know? So what's the deal? If two and three do it, what do you think? I mean, like you said, when divisions two and three did it, I mean, it basically just shined a light on what was going on here. I mean, it's the same. I mean, you're dealing with kids, uh, students, and it's all about trying to protect, you know, for Division Two and Three, it was about trying to protect them from the virus, protect everybody from the virus, because, you know, you, you bring people together, you travel, you play games against each other, the, the disease will spread. But like you said, Division One holding out, and there's only one reason for it, and that's money, obviously. So to me, it's, it's really shined a light on that, on how much money that these kids bring these institutions you can't even hide any, hide it anymore because of the pandemic so to, i'm kind of pleasantly surprised that that the big 10 and pac 12 did this because i expected that they would to see them try to try to plow through and do whatever they could to still get this money so uh, you know i'm i'm a, i was i was a cynic I admit that, but I'm still I'm pleasantly surprised that that these two leagues actually did the right thing. And, and, and yeah, I'm with you. All. Yeah, I, I felt the same way. I was like, oh wow, really? So I heard Gene Smith, the uh, AD at Ohio State, maybe a week or so ago, and what he was saying was very, uh, I think, very curious because he was not gung ho. In fact, he was almost kind of warning people that this may happen. It seems to me, Jamal, it's so clear that people still get sick. Right. That you could almost, but look at the NFL. The NFL's still trying to make it happen. Oh. You know, they're still trying to make it happen. How do we make this happen? And honestly, I, I don't know if you and I talked about this, but 
the bubble is the thing. And if they could establish the thing where there's a bubble, like on the, the, the West Coast, there's a bubble in the like South, there's a bubble on the East Coast. In other words, you have three bubbles. Right. But players and everybody, they, like, like with NBA hockey, they've got to commit that we're going to be in this bubble for like, you know, three months. No, yeah, and we did. We did talk about this last week, and you brought that up, and you talked about, you know, three, four bubbles um, for these sports. And the and the, in, the interest. no, I mean, but the interesting thing is that only, it's still only the NBA talking about that because the NBA came out and talked to his reporters a couple of days ago saying they're, pl- you know, talking about their plans for next season, which involve not one bubble like it is now, but multiple regional bubbles. So yeah. the NBA continues to think about this in the right terms. This is what the NFL and Major League Baseball need to be talking about right now. I understand, you know, the leagues are, are bigger. There are more players on each team. So maybe one bubble wouldn't work for everybody. But you need to at least create multiple right. safe places where, like you said, they can't go back home and they can't go back to the nightclub and all this other stuff. They must be tested rigorously. You need to give them, you need to give them all that technology that the NBA is using with the watch and everything. The difference between, uh, you know, these pro leagues and the college leagues is that the pro leagues, the players are, are benefiting. They're, you know, they're, get, they're, actually, they're actually getting paid to do this, whereas... College players, I mean, you're just you're just a peg in the in, in the billion dollar NCAA machine. Yeah. Um, right. Whatever you're doing is for the NCAA. Right, and it was cool. And you hit it, you hit it on the head, man. Just a couple minutes ago, when you said this pandemic has made this it, it has made it so crystal clear. Right. The exploitation. Right. It has made it so crystal clear. Just like the pandemic has made social inequities so crystal clear. Right. About people who have, who super have, who even have more than that, and the people are just like, just kind of barely making it. So, right. And you know, it's, it's completely wiped away the illusion of college sports being amateur sports. Like that, like, that's just, that's completely done. You can't even, you can't even pretend like that's the case anymore. I mean, look at, look at what you're talking about when these, these leagues shut down for a season. Now, Individual universities are worried if if they can just pay their pay their normal bills. You're you're talking about the economy in each town, you know, during the during the football season. I mean, yeah. it's like you're like you're crushing these these economies, you know. So just I, I just hope that these players recognize the power. If anything, now you should recognize the power uh, that you have, and that so many people are dependent on you playing this sport for free. The problem that you've got, you've got these dabble Swede types, Nick Saban types. You've got these mostly white men with support from these mostly white boosters. It's a whole power dynamic intimidating right. these mostly young black men and their families. Right. It's a whole intimidation thing. And are you going to be a troublemaker? Are right. you going to come along with it? Right. You know, the whole. Sell you a dream. Mind. You know, yeah. what, what, 2% of these guys make the pros, you know, go right. on to actually make money in the pros. So anyway, and then part of the part of the dream that they sell is like, you know, we want you to play, but you're doing it for yourself because you're getting exposure and you could be, you could become a pro, but we're only talking about 2% actually have a real shot at that. 
So 98% are being fed a dream. Right. Then it's all you get an education coach. You say, I can't be a history major. I can't be <laughs> right. bad. Right. You know, all I can do is be a communications major. Right. They end up like rolling in Jamal. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, what else are we missing? Biden, which I didn't see that. Biden made his made his pick. It's official. Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris. How, how, do, you feel, how, how do you feel about Howard that? Bison. Yeah, that's big. How, how do you feel about that? Sa- safe pick? Yeah, well, it's clearly a safe pick. Um, I get, well, any any pick that he made was going to be wrong or it was going to be attacked. Right. So I'm sure the attacks of our, I saw some flash out. I'm sure the, the POTUS 45 had an attack for whomever he picked. You know, they had, they had an oh, attack yeah. for whoever he picked. Oh, but, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, Kamala, you know, went to HBCU, went to Howard. Right. She put some people away. She put some people in prison. Right. So, so she could say, well, listen, I'm in the law. I'm, I'm for law and order, too. Uh, what do you think as, uh, as, a, as an attorney? I, I, think it was the, I think it was a safe pick. I don't really know 100% how I feel about Kamala. But I think, you know, she's a politician, um, you would have, you would have problems with with anybody. You know, there's you know there all these politicians have certain things you you'll disagree with, um, but I but I do think I'm I'm happy that that it was uh, that Biden picked a a black woman as as a vice president. I wasn't one of those people yelling beforehand that it had to be a black woman because really I think that they messed up from the beginning putting him in that box saying right. saying oh I'm going to pick a woman. Um, right. It would have looked a lot better if you just picked a woman without saying anything, right. you know? Exactly. So in other words, right, you say it among yourself. <laughs> right. We're going to pick a woman. But right. leave, it, leave it open. Yeah, leave it open. Like, you know, because now people say, oh, well, he said he was going to pick a woman. He picked a woman. You know, she may not be qualified, but this is... Right. It, it, to, I was thinking about it. It's, it's like the most American thing ever, right, for, for it to be done like that, like... Okay, now I'm telling you ahead of time, we'll pick a woman. Right. Okay, yeah, we, we all know right. we should have had a woman you know, 15 <laughs> years ago, but this year I'll pick a woman. So when you pick the woman, now it's like, oh, well, you had to do it. You know, taking away like the real qualifications that all these women right. have. You know what I'm saying? Right. And it was like, to me, it's like the most American thing. You do, you right. do the right gonna... thing, but you don't, but not really. Right. Right. Yeah, I mean, you could have just said, we're going to pick the best person. Right. But then, I guess, practically, you'd be interviewing all these fools who you know you have no shot at all. You right. know, That's you tell true. a white guy, can listen, you know, Jack, you ain't got a shot. Just, <laughs> you know what? It would be the reverse of the Rooney rule. It would be the reverse. <laughs> all the white men would be like, right. you know, you got no shot at this, right? I'm just doing it so I can check the box. Right, right, right. Well, you know, yeah. able to help you down the line later. Yeah, yeah. But um, so now, you know, now the thing is set and we'll see. I just want to see, Jamal, if these brothers, I mean, you talk about, you know, you know, I have a sister that's WNBA. I put T-shirts to oust uh, Kelly, was it Loeffler? Yep. They have T-shirts for her opponent. I'm wondering if these brothers, since the NBA is so liberal, can they, can some brother want to say, put on their jersey, Biden, Biden Harris. We'll see. I think 
I think, hey, I think a player should try it. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there are players out there who, who plan on voting for Biden-Harris. But it, I think, I think, and I think the Harris, the Harris, the inclusion of Harris may mobilize some, some people to do that. It makes the ticket look, you know, people have been saying this, but, you know, like America, you know, it's not just two old white guys for once. We have, we have diversity on the ticket. And I think it, I think for younger people, it will help mobilize the younger, younger people seeing a black woman as VP and maybe force the type of promotion you're talking about. Yeah, then she's an AKA. Right. So Howard, like you said. What that means, I don't know. Do you think there's a there's something to it, you know, symbolically? I know the kneeling and stuff, you you know, you said, you know, I'm tired of that. You know, I want some I want real, real change. Do you think just having a black woman as as the running mate means anything? Or means means yeah, as yeah, much I mean, as people, well, or means as much real. as people are making out making it out to be? Well, I don't know what people are saying, but that's real. Mm-hmm. I mean, to the extent that the vice president is important, you know, but it's an elected position, you're running for president of the United States. And that's real. And here's your running mate, who's this black woman. That's real. I mean, you did have Shirley Chisholm, who ran for president, so it's not totally unprecedented. Um, but I think that it's, I think it's also going to smoke out uh, I may clarify, particularly this month, we celebrate uh, the, the passing of the of the uh, what's the amendment to giving women the uh, suffrage. Yeah, suffrage. I think it's symbolic, but I think it's also going to force white women to either publicly, like you're saying, this whole thing of 2020 has been about bringing truth to light. Right. You know, 2020 vision. This has been about bringing truth to light, whether it's the NCAA college players being exploited, whether it's the disparity of wealth, the wealth and income gap. And now this whole longstanding feud between white and black women, which is so shellacked by racism. Right. I think that that's going to force women. So are, are you down with women or are you not? Or are you just down with white women? Okay. If you down, and I, and I think, of course, that ultimately benefits black men too because we're, we're their nephews and sons and husbands. But right. I think it's going to really force white women and to say, okay, listen, we're either down with this whole thing about women moving forward or we're not. You know, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. I, yes, it's, um, I guess it's really a dynamic time to be a journalist. It's, um, you know, I, I, I just, this is great theater. But to mm. your point, I, don't, I think this is slightly beyond symbolism. Right. I mean, the kneeling is, what's that? Right. You know, I hear you. You know, right. But I just want to see if they're going to wear, here's the thing. I want to see if they're going to wear Biden-Harris T-shirts. And when the NBA says, no, you can't do it, that's going to be protest. Right. See, that's where the protest began. You know, because the NBA said, okay, y'all can kneel. And everybody, every motherfucker can kneel. You know, raising their fist up, you know. Because they've been given permission. But, when, <laughs> but what happened when I want to wear, you know, like Jimmy Butler wanted to wear a jersey with no name. And now, man, you know, that's, that's too much like Invisible Man. You can't, you know, that's too deep. So what happened was somebody said, I want to wear Biden Harris. And Adam said, well, I don't know, you know. Right. And right. then they said, you know what, I'm going to wear it anyway. And, you know, well, you can't play. Well, you know what? The whole team was going to wear it. We can't, we can't play. So 
I like it. On that note, that's a good way to end it right there. I would love yeah. to see that. You go, are you going to wear your yeah, I'll wear it. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll wear it. On, I'll, I'll try to find one and wear it on the next podcast. All right, listen. Another great version. Thanks uh, to the great Zach Zarber, NBA ref, 17 years. Great interview, great get. And uh, Jamal, great as usual. You know, thanks for your contributions from Brooklyn. And I okay. uh, hope everybody there is staying safe and, you know, sound. And uh, we'll join everybody next week for another scintillating version of Bill Roden. And congratulations, Kamala Harris and uh, Howard, Howard Bison, a.k.a. Uh, all, all of you, a.k.a. And listen, even if you're a Delta. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, we got to uh, stick together gotta, at this point. Yeah, you got to bring it all together. The point uh, to be feuding. Yeah, or right. even if you're Right. <laughs> As always, uh, go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the show, uh, write a review, give us five stars, tell us what you like, and uh, we'll talk about it on air. Take care, everybody. God bless. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube you know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks that's what our podcast people are the worst brings you with each episode i'm rachel And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.